Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Real Forno Show. As you can see, Joe Cool here. The Vikings have their defensive coordinator. His name is Brian Flores, and we have talked about him a little bit on this space before. We're going to go a little bit more in depth before we really hit the ground running with Senior Bowl and NFL Draft Talk. Rejoice. The Vikings did not have to settle for anyone, and they got a phenomenal person to bring in to lead this defense into the 2023 season. Welcome to a glorious episode of The Real Forno Show. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Managing editor of the USA Today's Vikings Wire. Betting and college football analysis for the Fantasy Points website. Publisher of Substack Run and Shooter. Host of The Good, The Bad. And the Hungy on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as a member of Climbing the Pocket. You are looking live. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a fun episode of The Real Forno Show. We are here to give zero fucks. We are here to have a good time. We are here to talk about the Vikings' elite new defensive coordinator, and his name is Brian Flores. As with me always, producer Dave, top right corner. We're here to have some fun, and it is good to be back with you live this week as we had to do a tape show last week due to my trip down to the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. Dave, how are you feeling today? I feel fantastic. The weather's great. We just got the great word that we now have a new defensive coordinator. You'll get into that momentarily. We don't have Mm -hmm. to wait, and we don't have to worry about the Cardinals scooping him up, which is wonderful. I think it's fantastic. We have taken that next step, the step needed, to make this team better. And that is, my friend, absolutely outstanding. Yeah, it is outstanding. And the best part about this, Dave, is, look, we know Flores wasn't the number one choice. But he was 1B. And the reason why he was 1B is they wanted DeJuro Everell really, really bad. One, because... There was a huge familiarity with him, uh, with both Quasi Dolfo Mensa worked with him in San Francisco, and Kevin O'Connell worked with him in Los Angeles. They both knew him. They both he runs the type of defense that they really wanted to have in the building, and they they thought, okay, this is exactly what we want to do. Well, unfortunately, that didn't end up happening. He ended up accepting the job with the uh, Carolina Panthers. Um, now. I, I want to clear this up because at the end of the day, it's about like they he took that job instead of the Vikings job because it's going to help him become a head coach a little faster. They have a much better group of personnel, and it's not necessarily that the Vikings were a bad landing spot. It's just that it was a better landing spot with the Carolina Panthers, considering where they're at as far as defense and where we are at. And you know what? That's fine. Plus, let's be honest, the weather's just a little better in Carolina than it is in Minnesota. So we wish him all the success in the world. Flores, on the other hand, linked to Kevin O'Connell. They both spent 2018 with the New England Patriots. Kevin O'Connell was the third-round pick, the 94th overall selection that year. And the, whatchamacallit, uh, um, I don't even remember what I was going to say. I'm just so absolutely excited for this hire. Um, (laughs) Kwesi does not have any experience with Brian Flores, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. One thing that's interesting, and that I I want everybody to hear from me, because this is going to get around and it's going to be a little weird. Brian Flores has never technically been a defensive coordinator before. He has been a play caller for four seasons, and that is the big difference. He was a head coach for three years for the – Um, Miami Dolphins, and then he was the linebackers coach for the New England Patriots in 2018, but he was also the play caller. One thing with the Patriots, a lot of times they don't name a a coordinator. It's just what they do, and you just kind of have to accept the fact that they are different. It's Bill Belichick. He does things his own way, yada, yada, bing, bang, bada, boom, like whatever. Like at the the end of the day, who really gives a crap, right? It's that kind of deal. So, Let's break down a little bit because we're going to get into depth with him a lot more next week. But this is breaking news. We need to talk about it. And he's been a coach since 2008. He spent his first four years in the Patriots organization on the scouting staff. And then he became a special teams assistant and worked his way up. So this is a guy who's done the grind. 10 years with the Patriots. 
No, what I understand. He spent a lot longer than ten years. Was it? He spent. He spent fifteen. Wow. It, can you imagine the knowledge you can gain from the defensive wizard that is Belichick? Yeah, that's that's I mean, pretty tremendous. All the coaches that have gone off of his tree generally suck, right? When they get to the head coach yeah. style, because they try to repeat that. The only one that didn't was this guy. And he had a winning program and got Miami to winning. And how he addresses defense, maximizing the players he has, being extremely aggressive, whether it be in blitz, yeah. getting interceptions, uh, disrupting the quarterback, that's what he's bringing. It's not going to be, oh, we're just going to sit back here in shell coverage and wait for everybody to come to us. Yeah, sure, you can throw underneath. No big deal. No, he's going after it. He's going after it like nobody's business. And that's exactly what I think the Minnesota Vikings need. And I couldn't be more happy than to hear this announcement this afternoon. No, I'm I'm 100% with you, Dave. And for me, the biggest thing is this. Like, you're going to hear a lot about this over the next however long. Brian Flores is suing the National Football League, and, and it has multiple defendants. The reason being um, what he claims to be racist hiring practices. We're not going to go in-depth on that. We're just we're going to leave it as is because there's a lot we can litigate and a lot that, uh, quite frankly, we just don't know the ins and outs of. It is, it, it's a very complex situation, and unfortunately, a lot of it is real. Uh, but he is suing because of what he claimed, like you said, claims to be racist hiring practices. And what really spurned the lawsuit was he got fired um, really in odd fashion because he went 24 and 25 after a five and 11 year when ownership tried to tank. And he went five and three to finish the season after starting only like yeah, this is a guy who knows how to coach football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He refused to tank. And in the final like two seasons, he had a pretty dang good record. Um, you are, you're talking about a guy who went uh, 19 and 14 in his final two seasons. He was really turning things around in Miami, but we also saw that Stephen Ross, um, tampered with both Tom Brady and Champagne to try and bring them over. And it didn't work. Lost a first round pick this year, third round pick next year was suspended for, I believe 60 days. Couldn't be in the facility. Couldn't be, um, in the press box, nothing. He could have no real contact with the team. And $1.5 million. Flores was fired before all that came out. And then he received, apparently received a text from Bill Belichick congratulating him that he got the New York Giants job when that text was meant for a different Brian, Brian Dayball. And Flores was about to go in for his interview. So it's it's a very complicated thing. The one thing that you need to know about Vikings fans is it doesn't affect us in the slightest. It doesn't matter. Um, we, um, by all accounts, have done... I've handled the hiring process very well. Um, obviously, we we just hired a, a minority candidate because we thought they were the best candidate. So you can tell that now there is a little evidence that the Vikings are doing the right things. So you don't have to worry about that from a Vikings perspective. The one thing you do have to worry about, and people are going to be like, oh, you know, we complained when Zimmer's head coach, oh, we're churning offensive coordinators, churning offensive coordinators. Well, if Flores succeeds with this defense section, guess what? He's probably gone. But hopefully it takes two years to do that because it takes two years minimum. I was talking with some uh, guys that do the Steelers podcast over behind the Steel Curtain, and they were, uh, let me see the quote, uh, didn't want to lose him, but it makes sense. And one of their fans are upset they lost him after one year and they do not get the draft pick compensation for that. Mm-hmm. So hopefully – this is what I'm hoping for, Dave's hoping for. They gave him, say, hey, we'll pay you what you want, whatever that is, right? And I'm curious to see what that is after um, the big payday down in Miami. We'll pay you whatever you want, but you've got to stay here a couple of years to rebuild, restructure, remotivate, instill your vision into the Vikings defense to make us championship quality team. And we're going to give you free reign to do that. But the minimum is you need to be here at least two years 
if not three, and we're going to make everything nice and wonderful for you. And I'm curious if that happened or not, or if he's going to be looking to punch at the end of next season if the Vikings make significant progress. Significant progress is obviously good for us fans, but I'd like to see it long-term and sustainable. And I hope that came with the talks and the negotiation that that might just happen. Yeah, I'm I'm really, really excited for this hire. This is going to be fantastic um, and on so many levels. And I'll be honest, I think he's going to maximize some of the personnel on this team. Um, but I, I want to talk a little bit, Dave, about um, the uh, – whatchamacallit um, – I know this uh, well, his success, success, but I hope his success um, as a defensive play caller. So 2019, as we talked about, that was the year where the Dolphins actively tried to tank. You're talking about uh, the trades of Mickey Fitzpatrick, Laramie Tunsil. Like they actively tried to suck, and well, Flores like, nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try. We're gonna try and win, and they end up winning five of their last eight games after starting 0 eight. They looked like a historically bad team, and they ended up figuring it out. So, 2019, the Dolphins were last in points allowed, 30.88 points a game. I'm throwing that out. I don't think that matters. I don't think it counts for the reasons I mentioned earlier, okay? Is one season as the Patriots play caller, uh, 20.31 points per game, good for seventh in the NFL. The 2020 Dolphins allowed 21.12 points a game, good for sixth, and the 2021 Dolphins allowed 21.94 points per game, 16th in the NFL. So they only they allowed less than a full point a game more in 2021, and they dropped to 16th in the NFL. And that can show you just the general volatility of looking at these stats as far as like a year-to-year basis. You want to look at how many points you're allowing, not necessarily what the rank is in this situation. Like, look, you're allowing less than one point more a game year-to-year. Like, that's fine, especially considering 2021 and 2020, they both had 17 games. Like, it becomes more volatile when you play more football games because you have more injuries, there are more variables to deal with, and there are so many little nuances that you have to take account for. So, the fact that he had two top seven defenses in points scored, and one of them was dead average in non-tank years, yeah, I'll take that. I'm okay with that. Like, okay, if... okay. If Brian Flores allows 22 and a half points a game as the Vikings defense coordinator, they finish 20th. Are you taking that, Dave? I'm sure as hell taking it mm-hmm. because that's that's an improvement, and you can't expect Brian Flores to play God. And that is one thing where I think we really need to take a step back and realize that, look, Flores is good. He's going to be very good for this team. He is not God. And I, <laughs> as soon as we you know, understand that and make sure that we're, we set our parameters and stuff in the right way. I think we're going to be just fine. Um, let's now let's compare it to the Vikings scoring defense this past year, 25.1 points per game. Good for 28 in the national football league. Yeah, that's not very good, is it? But nope. they figured out a way to win 13 games with that stat. And I think that needs to be taken into account. Now you're getting up. Brian, you're giving Brian Flores a lot of talent to work with. You're giving Brian Flores two great pass rushers, Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith. Considering it's a lot of single high safety stuff, Harrison Smith gets to do a lot of his little fuckery. He gets to play Riverboat Gambler. He gets to have fun in the box. He gets to blitz. He gets to do all kinds of crazy stuff, the stuff that Zimmer allowed him to do. And you really took that away from him this past year. Now, I didn't necessarily think that keeping Harrison Smith that we see in the Vic Fangio defense was a good idea because you're wasting what he's actually good at. Now with this Brian Flores defense, these guys maximized Patrick Chung until he was geriatric. Like You can do stuff with a guy who's that intelligent and knows how to manipulate the offense. And I think those little things make this so intriguing. And we're going to talk more about Flores later. I wanted to give at least a brief synopsis. Uh, and G-Mac asked a great question. How did the Pittsburgh defense look? They did improve. I don't – I'd have. we'll dig into it for the next show. 
uh, exactly how they didn't prove, but I knew no, they didn't prove. But to show you some of what he is like with Miami in 2020 and in 2021, uh, they led the league in, what is it? They had some of the highest blitz pressure rates, and they led the league in interceptions. So that tells you the mentality that's coming to the defense. And just like Tyler said about this may allow Hitman to return to his roots, uh, I think it's a good thing for the Vikings. It's a very good thing. Um, now, here's here's the thing with the Steelers' defense. Flores was an assistant. He did not call the plays. He was not the defensive coordinator. It was Terrell Austin. Even though they were missing T.J. Watt for about half the year, they were 10th in the league in scoring defense at 20.1 points per game. Now, they, the Pittsburgh defense is not exactly what Flores likes to run. There's some crossover there. You're going to do use a lot of 3-4 looks. You're going to do a lot of 2-4-5. You're going to have a lot of different ways to attack the quarterback. And that's the thing. It's going to be a lot of pressure, a lot of man coverage. Now, I have been fighting the good fight, wanting a receiver early with that first pick. I think at this point, you are looking at cornerback. You're going to need cover guys. You're going to need guys who can just man up and be like, I'm going to mess up your day at the line of scrimmage, and I'm going to carry you down the field. Andrew Booth could be that guy. A Caleb Evans could be that guy. Um, Cam Dancer is not that guy. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't have <laughs> Cam Dancer on the roster um, to start the year. Some, something to keep an eye on. Same with DJ Wanham. I think those guys are donezo because cut, getting rid of them would save almost $5 million on the cap for guys that you're probably not going to be asking too much of. So the little nuances, and we're going to talk more about roster construction as time goes on. But, Dave, we need to get to Senior Bowl and Mock Draft as um, that is exactly – um, what the show was supposed to be about before we had the news break. I'm going to take off my sunglasses now because my eyes are starting to hurt. It was a fun <laughs> time for a while, but now now we have to have a conversation here, okay? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we might get an edge rusher to replace Darius Smith, but we have to address corner first. That's going to be our number one priority. Now, let's talk Senior Bowl. Um, if you have been on Vikings Wire at any point in time over the last – However many doohickeys. Um, all last week I was posting stuff about Vikings Wire. All this week I was posting stuff. Um, I also, at the end of the week, while I was in the at Dallas airport, I posted my top 10 performers. Um, we'll kind of go through those here a little bit. Look, this Senior Bowl. Now, you're going to see a bunch of whiny people online that say, oh, Senior Bowl, you can't discredit the film. No, the Senior Bowl is to prove what you saw in film was legit by seeing it up close and against equal or better competition. That's the whole point. You want to see how these guys look up close. You want to see them in scenarios where they have to win one-on-one. Now, you're not going to always have to do that in the NFL, but if you do it here, you're going to be able to do it in the league more often than not. That's why this week is so important as far as what we do as scouts and what we're trying to project forward. That's that's why it's super important. Um, and the teams are also looking to see how they pick up what the coaches there are telling them. You know, they may run a vanilla offense in the game itself, but they're they're expected the players are expected to pick up, hey, we want you to do this. This is more of a professional level technique. Can you do this? And it may not have been what they ran in college. So their scouts are evaluating that as well. No, 100%. And they are also, you know, they interview all the players. They talk to them heavily. There's so much nuance here when it comes to the Senior Bowl. But let's talk about some standouts. And, Dave, um, we're going to go uh, top to bottom. Um, I'll, I think I've already sent you this link, but I'm going to send it to you again. Because no, um, top 10. So number 10 was Princeton wide receiver Andre Yoshivas. Yoshi Voss is how you pronounce the name. He is a Hawaiian player that ended up playing at Princeton. So you can imagine the culture change going from casual Hawaii to, hey, the Northeast. Let's, let's uh-huh. you know, it, it's it's pretty uppity, especially when you talk about the comparison. Yoshivas has legit track speed. Probably going to run in the 4-2s. But playing at Princeton, 
you didn't really know how exactly good of a receiver he was. He really impressed me with how crisp his routes were, varied his releases. Hands were pretty good, but he had a couple um, where it was just like, and eh, like I'd like to see a little bit of a better thing from him. But the speed is what's going to do it. And he is a faster version of Christian Watson if you want just like kind of a lazy comparison to try and at least get a vision in your head. I loved what Yo- Yoshivas brought to uh, the Senior Bowl practices, and it was a lot of fun. Um, the next player, we have three receivers on this list. Receivers have an, have an easy time, Dave, to be able to show out, and I'm finishing up his film either tonight or tomorrow, probably tomorrow considering the floor is news just dropped. Um, Virginia wide receiver Dontavian Wicks, guy mm-hmm. I really, really liked um, in 2021, but Bronco Mendenhall retired, and – then they kind of strayed away from what the air raid offense that they were running. And mm-hmm. that offense is a lot of deep balls, a lot of really quick stuff. Um, basically, the air raid is you take the running game out of the game and the passing game is the running game. So it's a lot of little dink and dunk, but you do push the ball down the field. Wicks averaged 22 yards a catch um, in 2021, and him and Brennan Armstrong were an absolutely lethal combination. Wicks has tremendous short area quickness. He's able to separate with ease. Struggles a little bit with contact throughout the route, but I mean, he he weighs about 200 pounds at six, one and a half. He's not the most well built guy as far as like being thick with a lot of muscle definition. So you can, you can kind of push him around a little bit. Well, even for a wide receiver, like I'm talking like, just, it's just in a general, he's like a Dantzler build. A little bigger than Dantzler. Um, that thing, think, uh, like KJ Osborne build. Okay. All right. Um, the biggest Osborne thing is relatively stout. Um, okay. Maybe a little smaller than Osborne. He's, he's like six, one and a half, 200 pounds. You wish there was okay. a little bit more thickness to him. Um, he struggles catching the football and it's weird. It's like That's easy stuff for a wide receiver. Well, hold on. Easy stuff. He tends to, to have some issues with, but the hard stuff, he makes them look easy. So it's kind of flippy, dude. And he needs to work on it. But its I don't think it's something that's going to be a huge deterrent as far as the NFL. Yeah, it's going to stink. You're that's going to con- have some. It's like- that's concentration. I had that problem when I played as a tight end. I could catch anything thrown to me as long as it wasn't at the numbers. Because generally when it came at the numbers, I'm already peaking. And you don't watch that last little bit into into your hands. You know, I could catch it on my shoelaces. I could catch it way up here, out there, behind me, whatever. No problem. It's that right at the numbers that was a killer. Um, and maybe that comes with practice and learning how to stay focused. And if it's easy passes like that, they're usually right here. And you're getting to the point where you want to flip your hands around to catch and if you get that conflict on top of that you're looking you're peeking into where you're going that can cause disaster balls go through bounce off your pads and they hit the ground which is not good no it is not good um but i do like wicks overall and this receiver class is going to be really weird i have four guys with first round grades but Probably like one, two, maybe three go in the first round. You're going to get a lot of them going day, uh, on day two. This is where the depth of that receiver class is going to be. Um, eight, uh, my eighth best player for Mobile is Miss, is Wisconsin defensive tackle Keanu Benton. Now, he's a big boy. Uh, one thing that really impressed me was, one, how quick he is off the ball, and he's he's got a spin move where he's just going to be able to go and get right around you. Um, he also has incredibly powerful hands that act like sledgehammers when he gets into you you're donezo and it's really impressive like kind of how he can manipulate both of those things i i don't think he's necessarily a a zero tech i don't think he's a true nose but i do think you put him on the same defensive line as somebody like harrison phillips this is a guy that could really do some damage the defensive line is going to be interesting how the vikings want to construct it with um brian flores because it's they're gonna want different dudes. He might want to get Siaki Ika, the Baylor nose tackle, is like 360 pounds and moves really fleet of foot. But and Davey just mentions it right there. Like that's that's a thick boy. Problem uh-huh. is he's he's very inconsistent. And 
with guys like this, that's a little concerning. But he was also playing a 3-3-5, and that defense is great in college. He would be utter shit in the pros. So it's that it's going to be interesting how they want to craft that defensive line. Speaking of defensive linemen, Dave, number seven, Georgia Tech's Keon White. Now, White is a very, very interesting player. And I think for what the Vikings are going to try to do, he is going to be somebody they might want to target. He looks like he's 260 pounds. He weighs like 280, 285, but he's carrying all good weight. He's He looks very in shape. He doesn't look like he's carrying on extra weight that he shouldn't have in general. He just looks like a very well-built athlete. And he sh- kind of shocked the world a little bit last Tuesday. Daniel Jeremiah released his top 50 big board. And that, that eighth player was Keon White. And he was barely getting first-round buzz. And all of a sudden, whoa. And then right away, first practice just goes out and dominates. One of the best players on the field. Like, really tremendous stuff, right? Um, I like what he's able to do. He's got speed. He's got power. He's got quickness. Um, he's good with his hands. He can, uh, If a defender gets into him, like really gets underneath those pads, he can be stopped relatively easily, and he needs to develop some counters and improve the hand usage uh, just in those situations. But I really like what he brings to the table, and I think he's going to be a really good player. But you have to use him in advantageous spots. I worry about just putting an extra 20 pounds onto him, how much burst is he going to lose? How much explosiveness? Um, like he's not like you can't expect him to play undersized and be like Aaron Donald. Like that's not mm-hmm. fair. And that's one thing I worry about him being at 280. Like I think he's probably best in like, if this was a Mike Zimmer defense, put him in Everson Griffin spot, just have him be a five tech, just have him play at, like right in front of the tackle and just kick some ass. I think that would be his ideal scenario. We'll see if that ends up being the case in the NFL. One second. <laughs> uh, I need hey, a little while water you're taking I'm your one second. Go. I want to remind everybody, please smash that like button. I see you watching out there. I know how many are smash that like button. Like the show. It helps the algorithm and it helps grow and get this shared across the interwebs. And where else can you get First eye accounts of scouting down in Mobile. Then right here and with Tyler Fornes. Bingo, bango, bongo, Mr. Dave. This is this is the premier place for Vikings coverage. And then the premier place for written Vikings coverage you can get on vikingswire.com. And we already have, Dave, um, I already have multiple pieces up on um, Brian Flores, one of them just talking about the hire in general, the other giving some background on who Brian Flores is and what you, we can expect from him. Um, just as a general sense, we're going to get even deeper and deeper and deeper as time goes on. Let's continue with the Senior Bowl. Purple Haze, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, South Carolina corner Darius Rush. Rush was nuts um, okay. in Mobile. So here's the thing with Rush. He's going to frustrate you for about the first two seconds of every rep because he is going to lose, and he's going to lose ugly, and it's going to look really bad like he's just going to get absolutely torched. Then all of a sudden, two seconds later, he's undercut the route, and he's getting an interception. Like this this guy has nothing at the line of scrimmage, but he's he knows how to find the football, he knows how to stay with the receiver in phase and play trail technique where he's just – he's essentially trail technique is you're losing the rep the whole time and you're trying to get back into it. That's kind of the style. And a lot of times you play trail when you have a safety over the top. So when he's losing – so like you have guy one guy right here, right, this finger. And then Darius Rush is right here. So you're going this way, all right, and then Rush is trying to catch up. Well, by the time the ball is thrown, he's like here – and then he just attacks the football, and you're good. Um, I th- like Nick. I had zero. Um, I already had thoughts in my head, and once it happened, I went boom. Um, I did have a, a couple pieces for the second Ed Donatel got fired, ready to go. That one I knew for sure. I had no idea how this defensive coordinator search was playing out, and I did not want to spend hours writing stuff I knew I wasn't going to get to post, um, especially on Petten. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, thank God for that. Um, so Rush has this ability to just win um, and come back. Now, the key is, can you get him to a point where he's not going to lose so bad at the line of scrimmage? Can he command himself on the line of scrimmage, get some press, win those reps early so he doesn't have to win them late? Look, you love a guy that can win late, but a cornerback that wins early is more important because it doesn't give the receiver a chance to win at the end of the play. You want and to dominate NFL early. receivers are known to take advantage mm-hmm. of corners that do that. Absolutely, especially the great ones. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Rush would be a really good developmental guy, round three, round four. He could get pushed to round two with really good testing. He's got really nice size, but um, I, this cornerback class is going to be a lot of, hey, do I like this type of corner? It's going to be less about talent and more about, hey, I want this type. Because cornerbacks um, are – there's a lot of them, man. There's a lot of them. Um, there really is. Um, I, and we'll talk about it in my mock draft here in a little bit. Uh, number five, Iowa State edge Will McDonald. Will McDonald was one of the coolest dudes in Mobile. So – all these guys are getting bombarded with football questions. And quite frankly, there are a lot of people that are credentialed that don't deserve to be credentialed down there. And it's very annoying because they ask awful, awful questions. Um, one quarterback got asked, hey, um, what does it feel knowing all of you guys have like fifth round grades and you're trying to fight for who goes first? Like, that's a really shitty question to ask these guys when it's a job <laughs> interview. Like, uh, when I was asking these guys questions, I was trying to be respectful, trying to just ask thought-provoking questions that was like I had talked to Miami cornerback Tyreek Stevenson and I I he told me who he thought his toughest competition in Mobile was um but we had a long conversation he told me that off the record so I won't share it but you ask these guys and you treat them with respect you treat them like nice human beings they're going to give you the same back and Will McDonald's wearing an anime hoodie um I believe it is from Hunter Hunter and he spent about 15, 20 minutes talking with multiple media members about anime, how much he loves it. And they were just going back and forth on a bunch of stuff. Like, these guys are awesome. They're just people. Mm-hmm. And not only was he awesome off the field, he was awesome on it, too. He said that he wants to um, model his game after Micah Parsons. And what he means by that is he wants to be multifaceted. He wants to play in coverage. He wants to play in the run as a linebacker. He wants to be a true edge. He wants to bring all those skill sets to life. And he showed that he can really do it um, based on what he was doing at uh, um, in practice because he was dropping really fluid. He was dominating in pass rush and rush drills. Um, it, was, it was really awesome to see. And I think McDonald, excuse me, he bulked up to like 242. It'll probably be... When you get on the field for first the first game, you're probably looking at a guy who's going to be at about 250 in good weight. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you this is going to be a good football player. And I think uh, McDonald could end up going in back end around one, likely a second-round pick because of what he brings. And he's got a very diverse skill set. I, I came away very impressed with McDonald. Ah, all right. Number four, one of my favorite players in this draft, Nathaniel Tank Dell. Now, here's the funny part. Tank is a nickname. He's 5'8", 163. He is a small boy. But some people are going to compare him to Tutu Atwell. Anybody who compares Tank Dell to Tutu Atwell should immediately be ignored because he is far from Tutu Atwell. Um, At Louisville, Atwell was basically um, a gadget guy. Hey, you're going to run deep, or hey, we're going to give you a jet sweep, or hey, we're going to throw you a screen. That was it. They treated Tank Dell like a receiver, and he led the nation in receptions this year with, I believe, 113. Oh, hi, buddy. Odie's done with his licky mat. He's now on to the bone. He's being a good boy, though, so it's okay. Um, Dell is a real receiver. He wins at the line of scrimmage with elite foot quickness. He he separates really well. Um <laughs> Mac, what the hell? Um, and he's able to be a real receiver. Now, he one thing that impressed me and gave me some hope, he was able to be press. Julius Brents, cornerback from Kansas State. He's built like Tariq Wolin. 
but longer arms. Like he's 6'4, 210, really long arms. Doesn't have the athleticism Mullen has, but he's able to play man. He's able to play zone. And because he's able to do all these things, like he, it makes him a very intriguing option. Against Brents, Dell was able to uh, avoid that press. And now, when you have arms as long as Vines, it, it makes it difficult to evade press. He evaded it and he beat him. And he beat him and he beat these guys consistently. He was the best receiver in Mobile by far, and I wow. loved what he was, what he brought to the table. Now he, you're not going to be able to like run him as an X receiver. You're probably not going to play him on the outside. You're going to use a lot of motion with him. You're going to get him some design touches, but you can trust him to run a slant route, to run a deep crosser, to run whips. Like he can run real routes, and he can do them well. You just sort have to like, be okay with the fact. Sort of like we got Rager to do. Only better. Yeah, um, I think he's. Yeah, I think he's definitely better than Rager. Um, I think w- one thing that really intrigues me with Dell, you can win both on all three levels of the field with his ability to separate with quickness, and he's got subtle moves at the top of the stem. So, what the top of the stem is when when you're running a route, you, let's say you go like, I don't know, like eight yards up, and at that eight yard mark, you need to decide how you're going to take the route. You're going to go straight. You gonna post corner? Are you gonna go in out? Like, are you gonna hit? Depending on the that's, read, yes. Yep that that's what you call the stem. It's basically like the decision maker, um, and then that's where he wins a lot. And you can do subtle fakes like head fakes, shoulder shimmies, like all those things make a difference because it can get the corner to bite. And then once you get that corner to open up his hips, bang! You take off the other way, and now all of a sudden they're fighting against momentum to be able to keep up with you. And that's where you create that separation. Those little things make such a big difference and why tank Dell is going to be able to win in the NFL. You're going to have to be a little creative sometimes with them, but I think it's going to make a difference. If Deshaun Jackson can be successful in the NFL for a long time, I think tank Dell can. G Mac story in the chat. And for those that are listening, go back and watch the video and look at the chat. Is absolutely hilarious. Thank you, GMAC, for continuing, <laughs> making us continue to smile all night tonight. Yeah, pretty much. Um, You're right, next three, Dave. on the list. It's a hometown boy, Minnesota center John Michael Schmitz. He was, he was tremendous all week. He was able to reach block. He was able to deal with power. He was able to deal with uh, speed quickness and he did so consistently across the board and when you have a guy like that yeah he's 24 he's a sixth year senior he chose to stay another year because he got another year and well and a a lot of this draft class comes will be older because of they got they're the ones that got hooked up in that covid year and so they got the extra Mm -hmm. year of eligibility when a lot of them didn't play at all and He's one of those. And I don't mind it when it comes to alignment. He's matured. The body matures. I was talking with Darren this weekend about it. It takes a while for the body to mature and fill out. If you're coming in at 21, 22, and you're trying to play offensive line, your body still hasn't stopped growing. It still needs to grow. My question was, is he NFL ready today? If the Vikings drafted him, can he go out there and start and be more than just Ed Ingram? Can he make a difference? Is he in that top few percentage that can go out and be good in his rookie year when O-linemen usually take three to four years to develop? That is my question. Yes, 100%. And I don't I don't really think it's uh, it's going to be that hard for him to be able to do. Um, I think he can play in a multitude of schemes, probably best playing his own scheme because he is such a good reach blocker. But I think that he would be able to succeed no matter where he goes. Um, number two is a guy that the Vikings should not take unless uh, for some reason they move on from Brian O'Neill, which I think would be incredibly stupid. And that is Ohio State right tackle Dewan Jones. You remember Daniel Falele last year, mm-hmm. 6'8", 380. Sorry, six, yeah, like 608, 380 mammoth human being look i'm six six three ten i don't look small i just don't he makes me look and feel small 
And now you have um, Dewan Jones, who is built like a commercial water heater. He is 6'8", 375. <laughs> he has deep. His wingspan is going to be the longest ever recorded at the Combine. 89 and a half inches long. Damn. That is the wingspan of somebody who's seven foot five and a half. You're talking just a massive human being. And Jones is not only that big, he's that talented, and he can. He, it's like he took ballerina class, like or sorry, ballet classes, because he's so quick and nimble with his feet. It's just unnatural for someone his size with how well he moves. Just a really impressive football player and then my number one the guy that the vikings might be willing to target running back ty j spears from Tulane. look i like spears's film um i really like what he brings to the table more athletic phil lodeholt oh oh he's bigger than lodeholt he's much bigger than lodeholt but Lodeholt i'd also say he's more monster he was a mountain man and he makes lodeholt look small like Jones is really, really big, um, but Spears, great vision, great quickness, um, better uh, long speed than I initially thought. I thought that Spears was going to be a really good back, and then he decided to show up as a wide receiver. There is a clip in the my top ten Senior Bowl players article that I ended up getting, um, where he he runs like an elongated whip route now. Some people are like, oh, you'll never run this in the league. Um, No, you will run this in the league because this is the kind of stuff that you do when your quarterback bails the pocket because, it. hey, guess what? I got pressure in my face. So he puts his foot into the ground, and it's almost like he's doing the stanky leg. His knee gets so low to the ground, it's like he's stretching, like just nuts. And then he explodes off of that, creates about 10 yards of separation, and then bada-bing, bada-boom. He wins the rep with ease, and that's the kind of thing you're getting with Ty J. Spears. He's got just this elite quickness and balance where he can just take off and explode from any direction. I am really interested to see how he fares in the NFL. I would <laughs> G-Mac. That's well done. Um, I, I think the Vikings would be thrilled if they were able to get their hands on him. Spears might have played himself into top 50 pick. Um, the running backs are going to be like corners. After Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs, it's a pick your poison. What do you want? What do you value more? Somebody who's got a second round grade is probably going to go in round four or five because other teams just don't necessarily want that type of player. So you're looking you, when you look at all these things. That's that's going to have to be something you take into into account when you're talking about running backs. And Spears is going to have a very wide range, probably between pick fifty and one twenty five, just because of those facts. Um, now let's let's move on, Dave. We only have about ten minutes left. And I'm going to have Odie being a little crazy here in a little bit. So let's talk about my mock draft. Um, We still haven't been using the simulator because TDN is still in its beta testing. The second I get approval to go live with it on stream, we will be going live with it on stream. And that's that's not going to change. And as Dave uh, has down below, all of the picks for my mock draft. A couple things I want to talk about. Um, I did give... Um, I did have you a did do a trade too. at the very beginning. I did too. Chicago. Yep. Um, Will Levis. Um, I had the Colts trading up for him because I think they're just going to prioritize what he is, the size profile, the athleticism, um, the strong arm, the tr- tools to work with and develop. Um, that's the kind of guy Chris Ballard wants. He's not going to want Bryce Young. It's going to be Stroud, Levis, or Richardson. Unless for some reason all three of those guys are gone. Like, it's going to be Levis. It's probably going to be one Levis of all those guys. That's what I keep hearing. Um, they gave up a first and second this year, a first in 2024, and a second in 2025. They gave up a lot to go up those wow. four spots. And I, I think, like, look, it's a quarterback. If you hit on the quarterback, who cares? Nothing matters. You've got the quarterback. That is what matters. Um, the Bears end up getting more capital to keep building their depleted, gross roster. Um, and they still get Jalen Carter, which is what they wanted. Um, a couple other picks that I think are, are worth talking about. You have um, 
whatchamacallit, um, uh, the Buccaneers trading up to get a quarterback in C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. They trade up to 10 with the Philadelphia Eagles from 19. And what I wonder why that is. is, And no Tom Brady. Um, I modeled this trade identically to what uh, the Bears ended up giving um, the Giants for the 11th overall pick to move up from 20. Um, A first-round pick this year, first-round pick next year, a fourth-round pick um, this year, or next year, and a fifth-round pick this year. So the exact same trade. Um, Because you're going from 19 to 10 instead of 20 to 11. It's basically the same difference, okay? Now, I think the with the veteran-laden roster that the Bucks have, I think getting a quarterback, that young quarterback that can play right now, this would be a great opportunity for him to thrive and succeed. Uh, I think all those elements could be really, really positive for the Vikings. Uh, sorry, for the Bucks. Um, I will say, I did get a question about running back in the first round. If Bijan is there at 23 and the Vikings take him, I will not be mad. Bijan, like, I, I'm not a big... I don't like running backs in the first round, Dave. Bijan is on the level of Adrian Peterson type special. And that's why I would be okay with it. Would I advocate for it? No. Would I love it? No. Would I be okay with it? Like, like would I deal with it? Yeah. Bijan. I have a hard time taking a center in the first round, and I have a feeling I'm going to end up advocating for that because that's where we can get Schmitz if he isn't gone before. He hits 23. Sometimes when you have an elite talent, you just have to take him. And be, if you take Bijan at 23, that's what you're doing. I had him going eight to the Falcons because I don't think Arthur Smith will be able to help himself. I think he's going to look at Bijan and be like, ooh, this, I could use him like Derrick Henry. And we could, we could do a lot of different things because he's not Derrick Henry. He is, I think he's better than Derrick Henry. And I think that he's going to get too enamored with that. Todd asked a good question I want you to address real quick. Would you be mad if the Vikings took a quarterback in the first round? I would only be mad if it wasn't one of the top four guys. Um, I'm not a big Will Levis fan, but at at 23, I would get it. Um, I would love any of Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, or Anthony Richardson. Absolutely love it. Um, Richardson, I think, is the most realistic guy to get. Look, he has Josh Allen tools. This is a guy you can really compare to Josh Allen. And if you want a guy who can be like a true playmaker, an elite player at the quarterback position, you take him. If they have an opportunity to, they I, they need to make that call. They need to do it. Should they do it? You, you can make that argument all you want. You can say no. You can say yes. But if they took him, I'd be thrilled. Um Kirk is done after this year per his contract. Now, obviously, that can change. He could be traded tomorrow. He could end up signing a five-year extension or anything in between. We well, don't know what his future tomorrow. is yet. It takes the start of the new league year. But. Oh, yeah, because you can only sign one extension per year. Um, so, yeah, he would not be no, able to actually it's, agree it's that to You it. can't do any trades prior to the start of the new league year. Legal. No, but the extension. Oh, the extension you could. You can do the extension. In the next five mm-hmm. minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, like, I, On I'm all for. Under contract. Yeah. You have to plan for the future. The Vikings, I think, should draft a quarterback this year no matter what. I, I, I don't care where it is. Like, you just had two seventh-round picks start playoff games. Skylar Thompson almost beat the Bills on the road in the playoffs. Brock Purdy was the last pick in the draft. And although, albeit... That was more Kyle Shanahan's brilliance than anything that that carried him. You still got quality play out of the last pick in the draft in the seventh round. You got to take shots at quarterback. And you know what? Even if they never start for you, guess what? You have a cheap backup. And you have a potential, hey, maybe this guy could be our starter. You should be taking quarterbacks regularly in the draft. At least every other year. Mm -hmm. The Dallas Cowboys have, since 2006, started an undrafted free agent and a fourth-round pick. Those have been their franchise quarterbacks. You can find them. Try to find them. And that's something I've been very frustrated with the Vikings about. It's okay if you have a guy. Find another one. 
Find a late guy. The Packers used to flip backup quarterbacks for draft capital all the time. Mark Brunel, Matt Hasselbeck, both traded for serious draft capital. Like, you can do these things. And I understand it's not the 90s anymore. Yeah. Jacoby Brissett was traded. Like, develop. Develop a quarterback. And at the worst, you have a, a very inexpensive backup. At the best, maybe you find a franchise guy that you drafted around four. I mean, we have a few of them. Like, you have guys who are cornerstone starters for your team. Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, fourth-round picks. Russell Wilson, third-round picks. Where would Malik Willis fit in this QB class? I really don't know. Based on potential, one or two. Based on what he was coming out, I don't know. Um, I, I really don't have an answer. I'll I'll find that out. But let's get to the Vikings pick. They, I had them going cornerback. I did not have them going a cornerback that you have probably heard of as of yet because he has not been mocked in the first round much. And he was one of my um, almost winners uh, from the Senior Bowl. And that is Stanford cornerback Kai Blue Kelly. Mm-hmm. Now, Kelly is the son of a uh, former um, Tampa Bay Buccaneer, Brian Kelly, uh, who was the nickelback for some of those great Tampa 2 teams. Um, Dan, I'm out on Holt Nailers, but I can explain that at a later date. Um, I've watched a lot of Holt Nailers football, let me tell you. And there's only so much you can get from East Carolina. Uh, <laughs> I, loved, I, I liked Kai Blue Kelly's film. I gave him a second-round grade. Now, the big thing with Kai Blue Kelly, uh, he's more of a man guy than zone guy, but he really thrived in the cover two drop zone that they were playing in Mobile. And on day two, he got four pass breakups with one of them being a pick six where he just ripped it out of his teammate, Elijah Higgins hands. And I, I really like what he brings to the table. I think he's a very, very good prospect. I think that he could be a guy that the Vikings target with their first overall pick, wherever that may be. Cause let's be honest, they're probably not picking at 23. Um, and I, I really liked what he, what he brings to the table. Um, I'll click on the scouting report, and I'll, I'll read a couple things, and then we're going to sign off here for the night. We are going to continue to talk about Brian Flores. Um, there There is a, an off chance Dave and I might get together, and we might do uh, some extra content because I have the time, Dave has the time, and let's be honest, we like talking with you. It's a, it's a fun time. Um Here's what I said about positives about Kai Blue Kelly, and I'll just read the whole thing. One of the things I noticed about Kelly was how low he stays in his stance to give him more explosiveness when he needs to change direct, direction quickly. You can see right over here on the left side of your screen, see how Kai Blue Kelly's butt is down? When he starts in his stance, his butt is way down. And that gives him, like, when he's backpedaling and he has to push forward, he gets more torque from his, lo- from his lower half explodes him forward or laterally so that's a good thing when you play more upright you don't get that explosiveness so that's something i really liked um it does allow him to click and close quickly so like when you're playing zone and let's say the receiver is like five yards in front of you and he runs a route the click and close is it's almost like a trigger like when you when you fire a gun you click you pull the trigger and then the bullet explodes out of the chamber so this is kind of the same thing he he Finds the target, he clicks, and he closes really fast. And that lower half being so low helps him explode forward. Um, If you remember, and you may not, when Zimmer first got to Minnesota, he was teaching that exact same technique to Xavier Rhodes. And that's what helped make Xavier Rhodes a pro bowler. Bingo. Um, Kelly is... Most comfortable in playing press coverage. He displays good hand placement consistently. So, like when he's when he's impressed, you want to you want to get up into the shoulder pads. You want to knock them off balance. All right. You don't want to hit too low because you're you're going to hit towards their center of gravity. You want to get them away from that center of gravity. That's why the shoulder area, like press, like where this Gator logo is right here. You want to jam and push them up, and you want to stand them up. So then then it's a little harder for them to move, and they're not able to explode off the line of scrimmage. Um, he stays in phase well and um, does so a lot in short spaces. Now, staying in phase is, hey, I'm covering you, so I'm just going to move with you. That's kind of what staying in phase is. 
you want to be able to move well with the receivers. So you're putting yourself in a position to attack the football. Um, another thing that helps him in short spaces are his fluid hips. Um, moving, like change of direction. So if he has to go um, laterally to vertically or vice versa or anything else, it's very easy for him. Um, it also helps him with tackling, and he's very willing to get into rush lanes. Um, long speed is a question. I'm starting to get into some negatives. Um, Jordan Addison um, stacked him, and I don't think he's very fast. So stacking, if, if the corner is in front of the receiver, stacking is when you basically flip it and the receiver gets around the corner and starts running directly in front of him. It's like budging in line. That's essentially what stacking is. He budges in line, and bada-bing, bada-boom, that's kind of what you're looking at. Um, and then hopefully the quarterback can throw over the corner, and then the wide receiver has nothing but green in front of him. And for talking, GM's talking just to be uh, correct. The new league year officially starts on March 15th. The legal tampering period starts on March 13th. That's yep. the legal tampering period. Uh, we know that GMs were talking to each other down in Mobile, and they each have each other's cell numbers, so we know what happens prior to that. But legally, they can't do anything until March 13th, for the new league year when it comes to un- unrestricted free agents or any free agents. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I thought was a, a knack on Kelly, I I think he gets bullied a little too easy and he needs to develop some core strength. He's not necessarily the most bulky guy in the world, and I think that can be an issue. I gave him a grade of 81.3 um, um, mid to late second round, but this is a very pick-your-flavor corner class. If you like him a little more than me, you can easily justify a first-round pick. Um, and I think the one thing with mock drafts, they're exercises, exploring scenarios, exploring situations. And I think the senior bowl is really going to boost Kelly in a lot of people's eyes. And if he tests well at the combine, especially if he gets that long speed, you're looking at a different player. Um, but that is our show tonight. Make sure you go check out everything we're doing at vikingswire.com. There is a lot. Dave, I'm telling you, there is a lot of good stuff. Hmm. Right now. And I can guarantee that. All you got to do is go over Vikings Wire and then look at all the stories. And there are tons of them. It's coming quick, fast, and they are on top of the latest Vikings news, and if not ahead of it, as you see Tyler, who goes down and personally scouts at players that Quasi and his staff may target. Yes, 100%. Look, this is – I love doing this show. It's a lot of fun, and I'm I'm very glad that you have come here on this journey with us here tonight. Please like, subscribe, do all the things. Comment in the YouTube. Um, at, you know what? How about this? In the YouTube comments, here's here's what I want you to do. I want you to you to ask me a Vikings question uh, uh, from your fanhood. Just ask me a random Vikings question, and when you do – We'll pick a few of them out. We'll talk about them on the show next week. Let's have what some fun. What was Jimmy with that. Klein Saucer's first number with the Vikings? Oh, I already I know that. It was 85. Like, just let's have, have some fun with it. Ask a really fun question. And, like, we are going to continue to um, do a lot of really good things. Uh, Dave and I are going to continue to do this show for a long time. And this, this is one of the things that brings us a lot of joy is having conversations talking Vikings football, and talking with all of you. Um, Dave, let's lead the people out of here. What do we got? Uh, I'm assuming we have a Vikings happy hour on Wednesday. I guarantee you we're having two of bloggers next Saturday uh, because we'll be not only looking at talking about on two of bloggers, I'm sure the floor is higher. We'll do a sneak peek at the Super Bowl as well. Not that you know we care that the Vikings aren't in it, but – We'll see. Where who does Darren want to win? I I just want a good football game and I want my prop bets to hit. Otherwise, whatever, I don't care. Just just give me good football. Speaking of prop bets, Powerball's up to they estimate seven hundred and forty seven hundred million tonight. So you still have a couple hours. Get your ticket. 
I bought Mega Millions a few a uh, couple weeks ago and got nothing. So, oh, that's normal. Hey, it's like one in twenty nine million chance of winning. But it's fun to yeah, dream well, about. What that. would you do with all that money? I know. Buy a I should team. be that one. To be honest. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> that that would actually be. I'm gonna be honest. That'd be the first thing I did was buy into a football team. Anyways, what do we say? Um, Dave, I believe the word is Skull Vikings. Turn it your Monday's purple. Skull Vikings! Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found. And to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.